hello and welcome to see the very next episode of straight talking english i was about to say season three episode 12 i think it is well i am your host katherine stra talk english on twitter straighttalkingenglish.com proud author of the full context of jekyll and hyde buy it now on amazon in paperback or epub on your kindle today we are talking about one of the most iconic characters in literature, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. And while I was planning this episode, what got stuck in my head, all right, this is going to show my age. So um, in the 90s, there was this dance song that goes, he's a good, he's a good, he's Ebenezer good. And there was this guy dressed around, dressed as Scrooge who would dance on stage for this dance song. And it was banned, I think, because like the chorus is ease are good, as in like implying ecstasy is good. But now, whenever I've been reading about Scrooge, all I've got in my head is ease are good, ease are good, ease up and ease a Scrooge. And that's my little, my little thing. Ease a Scrooge, ease a Scrooge, ease up and ease a Scrooge. Well, there's a lot of different ways that we can see Scrooge, and you very, very, very lucky people today. This is going to be a sneak preview of the next book. Oh my god, yeah, you release one, then there's another one. So my life goal is that there is going to be a context guide for all of the GCSE texts. I've got a background in history, I've got a BA and an MA in history, as well as um, a PGCE. So this is a chance for me to get my history chops around something again, and as you might be able to tell, the next one I'm doing is A Christmas Carol. So a lot of the sources I'm drawing on today are the ones that I'm using for my book. If you like the sound of what you hear, then please, please, please keep your eyes peeled on Twitter and Facebook for when I drop the next book. So, Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge, oh, he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone Scrooge, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint, from which no steel has ever struck out generous fire, secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait made his eyes red his thin lips blue and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice a frosty rhyme was on his head and on his out eyebrows and on his wiry chin he carried his own low temperature always about with him he iced his office in the dog days and didn't soar it one degree at christmas external heat and cold had little influence on scrooge no warmth could warm no wintry weather chill him no wind that blew was bitterer than he no falling snow was more intent upon its purpose no pelting rain less open to entreaty foul weather didn't know where to have him the heaviest rain and snow and hail and sleet could boast of the of the advantage over him in only one spot respect they often come down handsomely and scrooge never did nobody ever stopped him in the street to say with gladsome looks my dear scrooge how are you when will you come to see me no beggars implored him to bestow a trifle no children asked him what it was a clock no man or woman ever once in his life inquired the way to such and such a place of scrooge even the blind men's dogs appeared to know him and when they saw him coming on would tug their owners into doorways and up courts then they would wag their tails as though they said no eye at all is better than an evil eye dark master what did scrooge care it's the very thing he liked to edge his way along the crowded paths of life warning all human sympathy to keep its distance as what the knowing ones call nuts to scrooge oh my gosh 
So that is Ebenezer Scrooge. That is our absolutely very first look at him. Pathetic fallacy. Pathetic fallacy to the wind. I love it. Why this name though? Like why this name i did once teach a kid called ebenezer and he was a massive don i've got to say but since using this name in his book the average amount of ebenezer's named each year dramatically went down and it was a relatively common name so why why in 1841 uh dickens went up to scotland dickens was a massive insomniac and he also was one of these like people that's weirdly obsessed with walking so um i've mentioned before i went to university at university of warwick and the two nearest towns are coventry and leamington spa and they're both a couple of miles from the uni so you get a bus and my mate insisted after he had gone to a party at my house that he would walk back to Coventry a total of about 12 miles and I, the first time he did it I was like dude dude really really but then he just used to do it all the time and I kind of see Dickens as the equivalent of my mate who just walk everywhere but back to it 1841 he's up in Edinburgh he is giving a talk and he decided to go for a walk. He visited the Canongate Churchyard that was around Canongate Church on the Royal Mile. And he saw the tombstone of someone called Ebenezer Lennox Scroggy. S-C-R-O-G-G-I-E. The tombstone said Meal Man, like Grain Man. But because it was dark... And what one of the books I've used as a source, Inventing Scrooge, calls an episode of mild dyslexia. He misread it as mean man. And he wrote it down and said, To be remembered throughout eternity only for being mean seemed the greatest testament to a life wasted. And it's kind of ironic because scroggy was actually quite a cool guy details of his life are sparse he was a wine merchant as well as a corn merchant he pops up in the history books in 1822 where he won a catering contract for the king's visit to edinburgh his great uncle was adam smith the famous economist but one of my favourite quotes was from a historian called Clark, who said Scroggy was not mean-spirited, but he did attract the admonition of the Church of Scotland for having a child out of wedlock to a servant in 1830. It's alleged he, rad he ravished her upon a gravestone. Still, what else was there to do in Edinburgh in 1830? End quote. I'm like, I really, really am sure the people of Edinburgh in 1830 had something better to do with their time. I mean, fast forward 20-something years and that's when uh, Robert Louis Stevenson is hanging around uh, Greyfriars Churchyard trying to score some hash and making friends with prostitutes of the lowest sort. So there must have been more to do. Not only was it scroggy but there was a guy who was a notorious miser and like we don't really have misers anymore we have people who are cheap we have like 
holders but there is one really really famous miser that it's thought dickens got this idea from a little bit this guy was called john elwes he was born in 1714 died 1789 he was an mp for berkshire for three terms he inspired someone in dickens's our mutual friend which i haven't read and like I feel bad about giggling about this because um, the guy clearly, clearly, clearly had some serious mental health issues. And if he was alive now, um, I would advise him greatly to speak to someone, anyone, because this guy has problems. And I feel bad for laughing at him. But then when I read this, I can't help giggling. So there's quite a lot I've written about Elwes because he became widely caricatured. So we have, it was noted he went to bed when darkness fell to save on candles. He began wearing only ragged clothes. At one point, he found a beggar's cast off wig in a hedge and wore it for two weeks. To avoid paying for a coach, Elwes would walk in the rain and sit in wet clothes to save the cost of a fire to dry them. He regularly ate mouldy and putrefying food before he could buy new food. And on one occasion, he ate a rotten moorhen he stole from a rat. (laughs) Which is like the grimmest thing I can imagine. I mean, I went on a school trip. I led a school trip once where I had to explain to a kid why we don't eat peanuts we find on the floor. The kid was in year seven. It's like, yeah, there's no like like um, needs or any problem here. It's just the kid just wants to eat some peanuts off the floor. And I cannot imagine having to explain to someone why you don't eat a mouldy moorhen you've stolen from a rat. Um, the thing about the doctor is hilarious he badly cut both his legs while walking home in the dark but would only allow the apothecary to treat one wagering his fee the untreated limb would heal first he won and the doctor had to forfeit his fee his houses became just uninhabitably gross because he refused to pay for maintenance he had to travel to and from london when he was an mp but he made these journeys by horse to avoid the toll booths which took a very 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 long time he would take along a single hard-boiled egg to eat right right i i need like a big breakfast before i'm ready to face anyone i'm not giving a speech in parliament after 12 years he gave up his seat But, and this is the but, he died leaving his two sons out of wedlock. What is today a billion pounds? Half a million in their money, a billion today. It's so intense. Like, bloody hell. So these are some of the people that were swimming around Dickens' mind when he wanted to write this miserly character. He also had a problem. Dickens had a lot of problems. He was he was having a rage. Uh, he was quite a ragey, ragey person as far as I can tell. One of his daughters said that he was the sweetest dad ever. And the other daughter called him the most wicked man who has ever lived. Which I'm actually quite impressed that someone can 
command those completely contradictory opinions. Let's talk about who he was raging at. He was raging at a man called Thomas Malthus, who was born in 1766, died 1834. He was a vicar and also a scholar in the fields of economy. And it's interesting because Malthus died on Christmas Eve and so did Marley. Marley was dead to begin with. Mr Marley has been dead these seven years, Scrooge replied. He died seven years ago on this very night. And Malthus wrote this bad boy in 1798 called An Essay on the Principle of Population. Short version. We have a lot of people in the world. They use up a lot of food. The population grows. We begin to run out of food. And then nature has a way of stopping the population get too large. Famines, bad weather, war, disease. That brings the population back down. And then we start again at square one. It's all about checks and balances. Malthus said the power of population is indefinitely greater than the power in the earth to produce subsistence for man that the increase of population is necessarily limited by the means of subsistence, that population does invariably increase when the means of subsistence increase, and that the superior power of population is repressed, and the actual population kept equal to the means of subsistence by misery and vice. Generally considered to be a bit of a jerk, because... Not only is he saying that war and famine and disease are actually pretty good, the people targeted by these things are the poor. Reading between the lines, he's like, there are too many poor people, wouldn't it be awesome if some of them died? Well, it's like, all right, dude. All right, all right, all right, all right. I mean, look, I got stuck at Bermondsey train station yesterday and it was absolutely packed full of people. And my anxious self was like, this is horrible. I did not wish that all the people would die of a disease. I just walked out of a station. Dickens had been part of this section of society, this general, the poor, when his dad was in prison. There's no way you can't take something like that personally. Like, he's like, oh, he's breeding mouthers. Like, oh, you wish I could die. Oh, great. Which, um, me being me, I'm just like, well, what's the line? I mean, I've got one, I think I've got about 70p in my purse, but I've got more in my account. Like, do I count as poor? (laughs) But when Scrooge says they should go and die and decrease a surplus population, again, my dad's favourite line to say at Christmas, we have a jolly family. That is what he is talking about. Dickens hates this attitude dickens is like well if you've got it use it we don't need to change society if you've got spare cash use it for good it lays into this whole thing of the poor laws and the corn laws which i actually feel might need um a bit more chat on their own in the next episode the corn laws were very 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 controversial it taxed imports of wheat to benefit wealthy landowners and artificially drive up the price of bread making 
basic food completely unaffordable for the working class and only the rich get to have food malthus was against workhouses and keeping the poor alive because they use up too many resources cheers man dickens ascribed all of these laws to the belief that the circulation the surplus population must starve okay so this is what we want it's just it's horrible and scrooge is the dig at the people who believe these things the writer cherry bower makes this really really explicit as an old man when the story was set in the first half of the 18th century scrooge would have grown up before the corn laws he is someone whose present is distorted by his past where he grew up monopoly protection tariff and hunger gave him a scent of the scarcity of the world he believed that want was just the way things are scrooge is not following reason he's following trauma his mum died when he was young he was sent to a boarding house where he and the other children were poorly fed by the time he was brought back from exile to his home which his sister said is like heaven the damage to his core personality was done dickens's message is clear enough the Malthusians of his day did not need evidence, which they ignored every day in the marketplace or reason. They needed conversion. They needed healing. They needed to be reminded on the day where the world celebrates the birth of a child when Roman Herod tried to assign to the role of surplus population the frightened men who rule the world in the name of scarcity should not be followed but saved. I like that a lot, actually. So before you're thinking like, okay okay like dickens was really into this wordsworth thing of the child is the father of the man and he was quite like forward thinking in that so people's childhood experiences determine the adult they grow up to be so that was actually quite plausible there is a lot of dickens in scrooge he had a sister called fanny aka little fan who died young and was a musician fred is pretty much definitely it's just scrooge's brother fred and his childhood was a little bit lonely a little bit crappy dickens is writing scrooge from a place of financial fear he had financial problems when he wrote this martin chuzzlewit has just flopped this is my most recent book child number five is on the way he's in conflict with his mum and dad as well as his publisher Jane Smiley wrote, Ebenezer Scrooge was Charles Dickens, a man for whom money itself offered the prospect of safety, a man for whom isolation from the obligations of human relationship might be a form of peace. He was struggling with himself and his past. He has a fear of returning to poverty. When Scrooge says, what's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money a time for finding yourself a year older but not an hour richer a time for balancing your books and having every item in them through a round dozen of months presented dead against you we're hearing Dickens's fear fear of indebtedness prison poverty and the inability to manage one's business affairs was like a mark on the family that Charles was so sad to see in his family's personalities Scrooge is everything that's bad if you're a Victorian. He doesn't participate in society. He is coldness. He acquires money, but he isn't 
an active consumer. When the Ghost of Christmas Present walks Scrooge past the factory, it's like a blooming shopping list. Oh, the grocers, oh, the grocers nearly closed with perhaps two shutters down or one, but through those gaps, such glimpses. It was not alone that the scales descended on the counter made a merry sound, or that the twine and roller parted company so briskly, or even the blended scents of tea and coffee were so grateful to the nose, or even the raisins were so plentiful and rare, the almonds so extremely white, the sticks of cinnamon so long and straight, the other spices so delicious, the candied fruit cakes so caked and spotted with molten sugar, blah, 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 blah. It's like two massive paragraphs where he describes all the Christmas food that you can buy and it is so tasty and delicious and you can almost smell that like air freshener Christmassy smell but Dickens is emphasizing the fruits of trade the world is abundant the writer Lynn Pikett says he imposes on others his lack of desire for our pleasure in consumption Scrooge's redemption consists of his learning how to be a good consumer, how to keep money and goods in benevolent circulation. Alright, alright. So it's not that he's rich, it's that he doesn't share it. And by tempting him with all of the good things in the world, he's like, oh, spending, you say? That sounds good. Dickens, as I've as I will have mentioned in the one about the wrongs of society, Dickens is a man who puts his money where his mouth is. Scrooge is what's worrying. Scrooge is unwilling to share, he's stuck in his ways, and he needs this jump start to get him to realise that there are the poor and needy, and that he needs to help them, he needs to share. He's not advocating societal change, he just wants people to share what they've got. I have actually always really liked Scrooge. I've always been a bit of a Scrooge apologist. I have to say, because like I'm not a very Christmassy person. I never have been. I may never will be. It's just, just how it is, man. It's just how it is. So, where else does Scrooge come from? Well, he'd played with this story before. The idea of a grumpy man being taught a lesson at Christmas time. And he's actually done it in his first novel, The Pickwick Papers. In it, there is a chapter which is just a story. And it is called... Oh my gosh, scrolling through my draft of my second book. It is called The Story of the Goblins Who Stole a Sexton. In which a grumpy old sexton, a.k.a. grave digger, digger is constantly surrounded by the emblems of mortality, but it no means follows he should be a morose and melancholy man. He was an ill-conditioned, cross-grained, surly fellow, a morose and lonely man, who consorted with nobody but himself in an old wicker bottle which fitted into his large deep waistcoat pocket, who eyed each merry face as it passed him by, with such a deep scowl of malice and ill-humour as it was difficult to meet without feeling something the worse for. He decides he's going to do some grave digging on Christmas Eve, you know, like you do. Some goblins appear, kidnap him, and then he realises he likes Christmas. I've got it in its entirety in the back of my next book, but if you go on Gutenberg, Pickwick Papers, the story of the goblins is stole a sexton, that is his first draft of a Scrooge character. The other thing, if we're considering Scrooge to be like a second draft of this old man learns a lesson thing, he's also a first draft of something else. Dickens has a tendency to write these characters that are either like 100% good 
are 100% bad. Olive Twist is 100% good. Fagin is 100% bad. We might get a bit of sympathy for him later, but yeah, Bill Sykes, 100% bad. He tries to do with Scrooge to write a character who is both good and bad to write a character who has good points and bad points so yeah he don't share his money yeah he's not the nicest person to his family but he was dumped he had a crappy childhood and he learns his lesson this is scrooge as his first draft of trying to create that sort of character other things that dickens drew on was the work of washington irving in his book old christmas i'm recording this upstairs in what i call the office slash recording studio but is actually my spare room so i will tell you a little bit more about old christmas next time it is in my living room so i am actually not going to go downstairs and recording this live but i will tell you more about that the last fact about Scrooge, which I would love to share actually, since as I say, I am a Scrooge apologist, I have a lot of time for him. He doesn't underpay Bob Cratchit. He pays him market rate. So he pays him, I think it's 15 shillings a week, which is apparently the market rate. Like if you were paying someone like minimum wage or something that's kind of set in stone. So um, for teachers, we are paid on a pay scale. So I know where whichever school I go to, I will get paid the same as I am on this scale and then bonuses or whatever. He pays him 100% what he should be getting on that scale. He doesn't go any over it and he doesn't give him benefits like coal for the office. But he's not a bad employer. He is careful. If he was paying... It's the debates about a living wage now. If he paid Cratchit more, then he would have to answer to his shareholders. We don't know exactly what he does, but it's financial. He's actually not that bad. He could be going out of his way to do more, I guess. But he's he's doing all right, to be honest. And that is my Scrooge fact of the day. Scrooge fact of the day, always beautiful. If you get time, go to the Charles Dickens Museum in Bloomsbury in London. It is absolutely fascinating, by the way. I went on Saturday and you can see not only his desk. And Dickens was well obsessive about how he set up his desk you can see how small he was they've got a suit of him standing up and dickens was tiny (laughs) all right this is green fact and a dickens fact right thank you ever so much for listening i did have a plan for the next episode but i've realized i do actually want to talk about some things a little bit more but i will be talking about other characters next time i haven't decided who yet so it's gonna be a little surprise buy my book full context of jekyll and hyde it is available on amazon on paperback and kindle str8 talk english on twitter straighttalkenglish.com recommend to your friends because we are on soundcloud spotify itunes uh stitcher might try and get us on uh google podcasts if i have time and thank you very much